Welcome to Herb W. Morgan's Slaying Bulls and Bears, a podcast about economics, markets, investing, politics, and profit. Every Monday, in less than 20 minutes, Wall Street portfolio manager Herb W. Morgan distills the complex and complicated into the simple and sensical. Here's Herb now. Good morning, everybody. It is February 5th, 2024. I'm Herb Morgan, Senior Managing Director at uh, Cantor Fitzgerald Managed ETF Portfolios. This is my weekly economic and market commentary. Uh, as a reminder, you can find me intraweek on LinkedIn or on X with the handle ETF underscore strategist. The presentation you're seeing and or hearing is designed for use with both financial advisors and investors, but each are expected to make their own investment decisions. Nothing contained in the presentation should be treated as investment advice. There are no recommendations for the purchase or sale of any securities. Everything you're seeing and hearing is purely informational only, and we cannot guarantee the accuracy, adequacy, or completeness. Well, it was a mixed week. Uh, large cap stocks up, you know, uh, earnings, to big tech earnings were phenomenal. The only exception of the, of the uh, MAG7 was Tesla. Everybody else beat S&P 500 rose 1.4% on the week, but small cap down one and a quarter percent on the week. Uh, Acqui uh, up about 1%. Bonds caught a bid. Interestingly, they caught a bid as expectations for Fed rate cuts waned. March cut not happening at this point. And just, just a few weeks ago, it was like an 80% probability. It's down to a 16% probability. So uh, no rate cut uh, in March. Still, bonds rallied would be on the uh, view that inflation is continuing um, to come down. So we move on. Um, take a look at the economic data from last week. We got a number of data points, manufacturing, we got services, we got a lot on, on, on uh, labor and employment uh, and housing. FHFA house price index for the month of November, right in line with expectations up three tenths. So some of the inflationary, big inflationary pressures we got in housing, you can see here, um, waning, getting, getting better, getting better. The right-hand scale is the year-over-year. Year-over-year is 6.6%. So the year-over-year is actually rising, but uh, that's because of some other stuff uh, here. And if you look at these monthly numbers, they are getting just a little better. Um, uh, depends on your perspective. If you're trying to buy, they're getting a little better. If you already own, I guess you want them to keep rising. Uh, another indicator of uh, our housing wealth and the value of our homes is the S&P Case-Shiller House Price Index. It was up uh, less. It was only up uh, 15 basis points. And the year over the year, year there is a little bit less and less than expected. Came in at 5.4 instead of 5.8. However, just to show you, though, this is not like, hey, all of a sudden housing's cheap. It's not by any stretch of the imagination. Tenth straight month of increase. And the absolute level of the index is at an all-time high. So housing's been a good good investment for uh, Americans. And speaking of, uh, we're seeing our house values go up. We're seeing our brokerage account values, our 401ks, our Cantor Fitzgerald managed ETF portfolio accounts 
going up in value and uh, we feel better about things. We also see there's, there's virtually no unemployment. There are more job openings than there are unemployed people. And so consumer confidence as measured by the conference board rose to a pretty huge move, quite frankly. You know, it's about 17 point move, um, or excuse, excuse me, um, seven point move uh, from 108 to 115. 114.8 present situation rose to the highest level since March of 2020 and expectations rose to a six month high. There was news last week, for example, that the US is now the world's largest producer of oil. Uh, that is uh, even with fewer rigs, we have far fewer rigs than we had a year or two or three ago, but they're operating more efficiently producing a large amount uh, of output and therefore, Therefore, uh, you know, inflation expectations around energy and a few other things are starting to come down. Moving on to uh, Chicago PMI. This is manufacturing in the Chicago region, still below 50, still in contraction. Uh, but then later in the week, we got the national numbers from S&P Global and from ISN, the Institute for Supply Management. So the Chicago number was kind of uh, weak. Uh, but quickly forgotten as the national numbers came out. Moving on to labor, uh, job openings were, you know, had been coming down from this ridiculous high number of, uh, of around 12 million. We've gotten below 10, and we were sitting there thinking we might go down to around eight this month. The estimate was actually 8.75, um, but they came to uh, 9.03 million that uh, was was bigger than expected, right? We, we it just we, the economy is supposed to be slowing because of the rate hikes and the balance sheet runoff, the contraction of the money supply, the bank failures, the, the contraction in lending standards. All of this is supposed to be slowing the economy. Yet the number of job openings rises. And if you take the number of unemployed people in a labor force the size of the United States and you expand that definition to include those marginally attached to the labor force, the U6 number, it's still 6 million. And with 9 million openings and 6 million unemployed, that's hardly a sign of a recession. I sound like a broken record with that, but and there were so many people still calling for a recession, the Fed's gonna have to cut rates. Uh, and now the, the market is realizing um, that's just not, not happening. It's just not the case. Weekly claims for unemployment up a little bit, 224,000. You know what I say there, below 300, the labor market is fine, down around 200. Um, the economy is really, really doing uh, quite well. Continuing claims rose um, a little bit to about 1.9 million, but that's just sort of a, a little bit of statistical noise. Then we got the two big national reports. The first one comes from Automatic Data Processing or ADP. Uh, for the month of January, they say the economy added 107,000 jobs. That was fewer than expected at 150, uh, on top of 158 gained in December. Services added 77,000. Manufacturing goods producing jobs gained about uh, 30, 30,000. But then the big Bureau of Labor Statistics report came out, uh, and they said that non-farm payrolls surged 353,000, well above the estimate of 185,000. Uh, and that's back-to-back 300,000-plus months. We added 333 in December. That was revised up. 
So needless to say, when this number came out on Friday, we were all sort of, it was jaw dropping because not only did we add the 353, but we added about another 115 or so uh, from, to, the de de to the December number. The total annual revisions for um, last year added up to 359,000. Unemployment very low at 3.7%. There would be no reason to cut interest rates in a situation like this. Remember, the Fed doesn't have as its objective S&P 500 earnings growth. The Fed doesn't even have positive GDP growth. The Fed's statutory objectives are, uh, after being the lender of last resort, the bank to the banks, their objectives are simple. Price stability, right? Lack of inflation or deflation, and full employment. There is no question the economy is sitting at full employment. There are some little tangential peripheral signs of some weakening here and there, uh, but it's just not, not happening. One of the reasons things are so good is productivity. Productivity continues to improve. In the fourth quarter, productivity rose 3%. What that means is that you're producing more per basically a dollar paid to labor. Now, part of that is, um, uh, is obviously technological innovation. We are only a year into this AI or artificial intelligence. Most, most of us hadn't heard of chat GPT um, a year ago. And then we all began to hear about it, began to understand a little bit. We had some fun playing with it on our computers, but then we start to realize the implications for the economy and the ability to do more with less human capital Throughout history, every time that happens, people are worried about jobs. But throughout history, we've always been proven wrong uh, that it allows us to just produce more, it allows our economies to grow more, and we tend to all stay fully employed. Uh, there's transitional pain sometimes for some people, of course, um, but productivity shot up 2.7% uh, from a year ago. That's a growth rate in productivity for the, the world's largest economy that's really kind of astonishing. It's uh, much higher than the 25-year average. So it was uh, really good to see the markets like it. Then we got really surprised. You know, I've been talking about the fact that we've been in a manufacturing recession, but that manufacturing is only about 15% of the U.S. economy. And we, we came in at 50.7. Anything above 50 is expansion. We've been in contraction, you can see here, from mid to late 2022. We touched 50 one month, but it's been below 50, and it, it came in above 50, um, and we're happy to see that, of course. That means, well, gosh, more reason for the Fed not to cut interest rates, more reason for the Fed not to stop their balance sheet runoff, continue to try to improve that balance sheet. The issue, the biggest problem, or the biggest concern is that we're still running these massive fiscal budget deficits uh, at this time. And so how much of this growth in the economy and how much of the jobs is because of the budget deficits? Next, we got ISM manufacturing PMI that almost came up to 50. Big jump there, 49.1. That is still contraction. New orders up, production up. Employment, though, fell ever so slightly. Automobile sales came in at an annualized pace of uh, 15 million. That was pretty good, pretty exciting. 
and then the University of Michigan, right? If we have jobs, um, I showed you this with the conference board at the beginning, but Michigan showed the same thing. If we have jobs, um, we have 401ks going up, we have house values going up, uh, the inflationary pressures are coming out of the economy, which is what caused these sentiment numbers to go down. With the exception of where I live, I understand gasoline prices are going down for everybody. Uh, so consumer sentiment for Michigan rose uh, from 69 to 79. That's a big jump. That's the largest gain we've seen in 19 years. Current conditions up, expectations up, all good news across the board. Not only that, but last week we had a Fed meeting where um, you know nothing would happen. We knew nothing would happen. We had earnings continuing to come in. 230 or about half the companies in the S&P 500 uh, have reported. Uh, and the earnings surprises are solid. About uh, 180 have beat out of that 230, only 37 negative. From a sector standpoint, you can see across the board, all earnings uh, uh, you know, in the aggregate earnings surprises. And then there was this concern about guidance going down and as companies and, and that earnings would actually be lower next year. This is Bloomberg estimated earnings per share for the forward 12 months, uh, now up to $244 just continu continues as companies report to get guided higher. Finally, uh, economic data this week, not a ton. The services PMIs are gonna come out this morning. Both will be above 50 in my opinion. Nothing Tuesday, Wednesday, trade, deficit, consumer credit, not that big a deal. Jobless claims, Friday, none scheduled. I just wanna you know, say one more time about the fifth. A few weeks ago, we were talking about March rate cuts and May rate cuts and June rate cuts. As of this morning, there's only a 16% chance of a March rate cut and that might as well be zero. There's a 58% chance of a May rate cut and I expect the odds of that to go down substantially in the coming weeks. No rate cut in May, in my opinion. June is probably 50-50, but currently the market is estimating it to be at about 80%. Thanks, everybody. Don't forget, you can listen as a podcast. Tune in. Talk to you again next week. Thank you for listening to Slaying Bulls and Bears. If you'd like to download the slides for this week's podcast, go to www.efficient-portfolios.com and join our mailing list. Don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel, rate us online, and share with a friend if you found this helpful. See you next week.